Good morning, church. Good morning. Excited to be here with y'all, man. It's always one of my favorite days, man, Baptism Sunday. And you add food to the mixtures, man. You know, we, we, we living for that right there. That's right, we hungry. Y'all came for an appetite or y'all hungry today? There we go. That's what I'm talking about, Jonathan. Man, it never gets old, man, seeing Jesus work in people's lives and, man, really seeing people get changed, man. And that's like I, I was telling y'all last week. When I look out here and I see everybody and I just see God moving in y'all's life, man, it, it, it gives me so much strength and encouragement, man. It really does, man. And so it's always an honor to be up here to, to share this and do life with y'all. It's always a gift, and that's the title of today's message, A Gift, uh, because Jesus is a gift, man. He is a gift that, man, just keeps on giving. He's one of those gifts that the more that you spend time with him, the more that you get to know about him, you do life with him, the more you start to see gifts in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different things. And as I was preparing for this message and thinking about today and thinking about the gift of today, it reminded me that we're a gift too. Sometimes we forget that, that we're a gift in this world, we're a gift to other people, and Sometimes we're not the best gifts. Sometimes we mess that up. It's being real. But I really feel like he wants us to comprehend the type of gift that we are today and just understanding that that has we grow in him, we can grow to be a good gift to other people. And the way that God gives us good gifts, we can be part of that for somebody else. And so today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 11 through uh, 21. And at, at this time, Paul is writing to the church in, in Corinth, and he's telling them about the gift of Jesus, but also about that gift of us. And before I go further, though, I, I want us to pray, because uh, I want God to move through this situation, move through our hearts, and just join me. Father, we just thank you uh, for the gift of today, Lord. We thank you that no matter what the weather is like, Father, we can always find joy in it. So even when it's dark and it's gloomy and it's cloudy, Lord, we find rest and peace in the comfort of our homes. When it's sunny out, Lord, we find joy in the sunshine. Man, there's just so many different ways that you bless us, no matter what the weather may look like outside. And so, man, help us, man, not, not lose sight of the goodness that's around us, the goodness that's in front of us, the gift of today. So, Father, would you just speak to our hearts and speak to our eyes, Lord? If there's something getting in the way of that, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you would bring it down that you would tear away that veil, that you would break down that wall, that whatever has made our hearts hard, that you would soften it today. So, Lord, I just thank you for the ways that you love us and the ways that you're working in this moment right now. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, no matter who you are, you love to receive a gift, right? Does anybody here don't like gifts? Is there anybody? No, we all like gifts, right? If you read uh, Dr. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, he says that's actually a love language for some people is to receive gifts. And if that's your love language, it don't matter what type of gift you get, you, you just get filled up. You feel loved when you receive something. But I think for a lot of us, though, we're on the opposite side of that. Like, we appreciate gifts, but it's got to be something really meaningful for us to really find joy or just make something out of it. And the thing about a gift is not all gifts carry the same weight, Right? Not all gifts are the same. When you're a child, right, and you ask specifically for something, but you get something else, how do you feel? Feel some type of way, right? I remember telling my dad, hey, dad, you know, 
there's a video game system. I want to say like the Nintendo 64, right? I'm old like that, right? But they had wrestling, and I used to be a huge wrestling fan. I remember I was like, Dad, you know, I don't ask for nothing, man. If you could just get me this, it would mean so much. And he got it for me, man. And it just blew me away because I was like, I didn't think he was. You know, my dad wasn't the type to always give gifts, but it meant so much to me that he took consideration what I had and he gave it to me. But I've also gotten some other gifts, right? And some people have ever handed you stuff and you say, man, you don't even know me. Like, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this, right? Not all gifts are the same, man. Some are good. Some we don't see any purpose to it. But they're all different. But usually when a gift is sincere, when somebody is really thoughtful, when they really thought things through, it means so much more to you, right? You receive that gift and you're like, man, they're really listening to what I say. They really value what I value and what I'm looking for. So it can mean a lot. And that's the thing about a gift. It, it could go so much further than just giving to somebody else for both the person giving and the person receiving it. And our relationship with Jesus is the same way, man. It could be something that is useful and purposeful beyond what we normally would see or understand. And it's a gift that, man, a lot of times we don't understand the depth of it. Sometimes we lack the understanding of how great it is. Um, and the same that could be true about the gift of we are to other people. We can limit what others receive from us by what we choose to give. And so in, in this chapter, Paul is explaining the gift of Jesus, but also the gift that we are to other people. And, and I pray today you would just grasp that, man, that you are a gift. Say it with me now, church. I am a gift. You are a gift, church. You are a gift. Now, hopefully you're a good gift, right? Hopefully you're not a bad gift. But I want us to read starting at verse 11 in chapter 5. It says this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. We are, are we condemning ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than a sincere heart. If it seems we're craziest to bring glory to God, and if we are out of our right minds, it is for your benefit. So Paul starts off saying, hey, man, I need you to understand that you have a responsibility to be fearful to the Lord. And in other translations, it talks about fearing the Lord. Now, when we think of the word fear, it usually doesn't come well with us, right? We usually have this negative response of something that we fear, something's intimidating. We usually think about it in a negative way. So that means sometimes when we understand fearing of the Lord, we sometimes we're like, okay, Lord, you're on me, right? Like, I, I, have no, I can't slip up. And it kind of will make you live on eggshells live on edge but that's not what fearing of the Lord is mean that's not what God means when he's telling you this to fear the Lord is to have an understanding that man if I do my life apart from the Lord from Jesus uh, it's going to be a bad life and that's something that I should fear of not having Jesus in my life that's fearing the Lord because if you've ever done life without Jesus what do you experience a lot of pain a lot of heartache and you're alone in it but when you start to walk with Jesus you see that he's always there you see that even when you mess up, he's not going to beat you over the head with it, right? He's going to walk beside you. He's going to say, hey, we'll figure this out together. You don't have to do this alone. So fearing the Lord oftentimes is different than what we understand because we think of it in a negative way, but it's actually a good thing. It's not living on the edge. It's not living on eggshells. It's not saying you got to be perfect. He's saying, hey, man, I hope that you fear a life without me more than you do a life with me. But fearing the Lord also is a fear to have for other people. 
that they wouldn't continue to live a life without him. That they would experience the things that you experience as well. And so Paul starts off saying that, hey, man, I want you to be reminded of the fearful responsibility. And then he addresses believers who lack that understanding, right? Or completely dismiss it at all. Because many of us have probably seen over time, how many of y'all have met a Christian, a believer, but you like, that's what Jesus is like? I don't know about that, man. And I've experienced it a lot of times. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I've been that person, right? I'm the pastor of the church, and I don't always represent myself like the pastor. And sometimes I've struggled with that idea of being a pastor or being a believer, but that's who I am. And I need to be mindful of the gift that I am, but also need to be minded of how I represent the Lord. Because we don't always do it well. And we probably all know people like that. And so Paul is saying, hey, man, you got to have an understanding of fearing the Lord, but you also got to have an understanding of how you handle yourself, what your responsibility is. And I want you to receive this this morning, take this away. It's our responsibility to be sincere, not a spectacle, okay? To be sincere and not a spectacle. Because what did Paul say? He just said, That there were people that were making a spectacle out of the ministry rather than having a sincere heart. When you really study the Gospels and you look at the different books of, of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus was a man that had many opportunities to take advantage of many positions, right? They were always like, hey, Jesus, will you perform this miracle? And he could have been like, yeah, I could do this like nothing. But oftentimes he did the opposite. He said, y'all want me to do what? No, nah, I'm good. I'm going to do that. Hey, Jesus, why don't you go and just go get all these people to follow you? Why don't you do these things this way? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. He always did the opposite of what we normally would adopt. Because if it was us, what do we do? We say, I got to seize the moment, right? I got to take advantage of this spot so I can elevate myself. But Jesus isn't like that, though. He's always sincere. He's not worried about making a spectacle out of things, making things larger in life so he can gain people, gain influence, gain money, gain popularity. Many times, he did the opposite. And in those days, the Israelites had been reading about the prophet that was going to come. They'd been reading about a Messiah that was going to come and was going to save them. And so when they start to hear Jesus' teachings, they see his miracles, they say, man, this is the dude. Like, I can't wait that he's just the king and he overtakes the Romans and he just, man, we ain't going to have to worry about people being oppressed anymore. We're going to be the, the ones that they're going to feel now. But that ain't how Jesus operates. Because sometimes we forget that he died for all of us, not just those who are being oppressed, but he died for the oppressor. And the thing is, when you miss that, when you, when you don't understand that, you could actually become that. And Jesus wants us to not become that. And we got to be mindful that we're not just looking to get glory from him. Because there are a lot of people, right, that go and they say they're doing things for the Lord, but then they got their phone out, they're taking pictures of it. They want to let everybody know what they did. Versus what God is doing. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, man, don't miss the mark with this. God isn't looking to move through people that are famous. He's just looking to move through people that are sincere, that are authentic, that are real. He doesn't need you to be popular to be reach people, to do what he wants to do. And these people that are real. And it made me think of growing up, I'm a big hip-hop fan, right? And there's this guy, he's still alive today. His name's Puff Daddy. Anybody know Puff Daddy? P. Diddy's what it go by. 
But they used to give him a hard time, man, because in every music video, he was dancing all in the video. Every song, he was all in the song, and he wasn't even like the artist of the song. Because there are some people that are after the glory versus giving the glory to God. And as a believer, the same is true. And Paul's saying, hey, you need to understand the difference between those because we are called to bring glory to God, not bring the glory to ourselves. Because if it's all about you, eventually that's going to fade away. And guess what? It's not going to benefit you or anybody else. So you got to see the difference between it. Nobody wants to be helped by somebody that knows it all, that's all about themselves, right? We want somebody that's real, that's authentic, that's going to get in the mud with us and say, man, this person really cares about me. And that's what Jesus always did. He always met people exactly where they were and walked with them through their life. He didn't say, hey, man, look at me, look what I'm doing. Like, no, it was never about him. It was always about his father, right? It's always about God, about him getting the glory. And that should be our mind frame as well. So we need to be people who are sincere, not looking to be a, a spectacle. Because that's what you end up turning into, be a spectacle, just drawing attention to yourself, missing the point of what God is trying to do in a moment. But let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 14. Then Paul says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we must also believe that we all die to our old life. He died for everyone, so those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating everything from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Hallelujah. So through Jesus, we have the gift of life. We have the opportunity to be made right with God, but also to receive a new life moving forward. And I think many of us understand that, right? They're like, man, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I need somebody to help me establish and make this relationship with God right. I need to be forgiven. So we get to that point, right, where I put my faith into Jesus for him dying for me, for him raising, defeating death. I understand that. When I have a relationship, I put my faith in Jesus. I can be saved. I can have eternal life in heaven with him. I can be forgiven for yesterday, tomorrow, and today, all the days of my life. But what we often forget is that we're also made new. We're a new creation. That's the beautiful thing about baptism because that's a reminder of that. You know, there's nothing special about being baptized. It, it was a, a, a step that Jesus and the Lord asked us to do, but it was a sign of repentance. It's a sign of you turning from my old life and receiving a new one. Because what it really is, it's a physical symbol of an inward change, of your old life being buried and you rising to become who God created you to be. And Paul says, man, the old life is gone, the new life can begin. So that means our old life can't move forward with me to my new life, right? So I want you to take this away this morning. Stepping into new seasons is going to require new mindsets. It's going to require a new way of thinking, a new way of acting. It's going to require a new you. But that's what God wants to give you, is a new you. When you get a job, right, there's some lessons that you learn at a job, but let's just be real. You can't just take everything from one job to the next, right? It don't just work that way. So if I was working at Burger King and I got hired at McDonald's, I can't just go thinking I did what I did at Burger King at McDonald's, right? It don't work that way. They got their own set of rules. They got their own way of doing things. But we need to understand that as a believer. When I am made new, when I'm a new creation, that means that old life isn't going to work in this new life. 
it's not going to be the same. So if I continue to do old things, how is it going to work? It's not. What I'm really doing is I'm leaning on myself versus leaning on God. And you have to learn that when you're walking with God and you're walking with Jesus and you're becoming new, it's going to be different than what you know. Every season, every moment, it's not always going to be the same. What used to work yesterday might not work today. And this is something when I was talking to my beautiful wife, Desiree, who's at home right now. Mama, I love you. My bad, y'all. But I was talking to her. And I was telling her about being romantic, right? I'm always just trying to be intentional because, you know, I always get pulled so many different ways. And I would say, like, what does romance, what does being romantic look like today? Not what it looked like before, but what it looked like today. And she was sharing something that just, it just hit my soul because she said, you know, in the past it was getting flowers. It was going to a nice dinner, maybe going to a movie. That was being romantic, right? Just some time away from things. But today it's different. Today, she would love to go travel, see some things she never experienced. She would love to be on a country road, seeing the stars at night, maybe hiking in the mountains. You see, things have changed. And so if I continue to try to do things in an old way, I'm not going to love her in the way that she needs now. Because the old ain't going to work in the new. And the same is true for us, church. As we grow and we are a new creation, what worked last season might not work in this season. But that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit will help lead you to what you need to do in that moment. And Jesus gives us examples of things that we could try. And so we got to understand that, okay, this new season, that's got to be a new me. That means I need a new mindset and I can't rely on what's old. Because when we rely on what's old, we go off our experiences. We go off the things that we know. And a lot of times they did no good for us to begin with. So we got to understand the difference and allow Jesus to lead us and adapt us to something different. He says that oftentimes, Paul said, we look at things from a human point of view. You know how you gain God's perspective in his point of view? You got to spend time with him. You got to allow him to lead you. You got to learn who he is. You got to learn how to apply his ways to your life. And as you do that, you gain access to his perspective. You allow the Holy Spirit to help you adapt to a new mindset in a new season that you find yourself. So a new season, new mindset, right? I got a new life, that means I'm gonna have to do things in a new way. That's not a bad thing, and I know that could be a scary thing because we wanna control everything, we wanna have all the answers, but man, thankfully we are led by somebody who already has it all. We just have to trust them with it. Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 18. So then Paul closes this out and he says this, and all of this is a gift from God, who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that's a gift we can't earn our way to. Paul says we got to understand the gift that's been given to us through Jesus, but also understand the gift that we are. A product of us being saved is that God wants to use you as an instrument to help save other people, to help reach other people, to help be good fruit to other people. 
And what did we talk about earlier? I said, man, when we are not being sincere, we're being about ourselves, and we're going to mess up the type of gift that we are. So I want you to finally receive this this morning. The same way that Jesus is a gift to us, we become a gift to others. So I want you to ask and think about this question. What type of gift are you? What type of gift are you? Because you're going to fall either good or bad. Either people are going to gravitate toward you, they're going to see you and say, oh man, that's my brother, that's my sister, let me go say what's up. Because you produce good things in their life. When they go to you, it's a good gift. They get joy, they get love, they get strength, they get encouragement, they get hope. Sometimes they get some correction, okay? But it's good things that add value to your life. But there's also the opposite, right? We know some people that we see them, we say, oh, Lord, I ain't ready to see them today. They make you feel some type of way. They make you feel differently. Because not all gifts are what? The same. Not all of them are good. There's some that are bad. There's some people that walk into a, a room, and what happens in the room? Everybody's like, oh, we was laughing, and you see them walk in, and it gets quiet. Everybody's smiling, and the smiles go to blank stares. The atmosphere changes sometimes whenever a gift is bad and it enters your atmosphere. So you got to think, what kind of gift are you? What does that look like? We all know people like that, right? You could probably think of people that you, the moment you see them, you're like, man, I, I love to be around this person because they are a gift to my life. But then we also know other people who are like, man, if they just didn't show up at Thanksgiving this year, that would be nice. That would bless everybody if they didn't show up. We look at things from a human point of view. And sometimes we forget that what? We are a gift. So that's something we need to recognize. Paul said that we are God's ambassadors. That means we are representing his holiness everywhere that we go. And I just share it, man. You could say that you're living for the Lord and still misrepresent him and mess up everything along the way. What type of gift are you? And that's my challenge for all of us today. As we see people get baptized today, that's part of them accepting that they are a gift, but also walking with what that's going to look like moving forward. So my challenge for all of us is be a gift worthy of receiving. Be a gift worthy of receiving. Well, how do you do that? Well, it starts with the first thing, right? We want to be a gift that's sincere. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. I don't have it all together. For you to say that you don't have it all together, you know how much walls that's going to bring down for somebody else? They say, thank the Lord, because I thought this person had it. I thought they were perfect. That's a gift whenever you could be authentic and real with somebody else, man. People are looking for other people to be sincere. Because what do we see out here? A bunch of copies, right? People see somebody dressed one way, they say, oh, I need to dress like that. I need to talk like that. I should act like that. Everybody's copying everybody. But there's only one of you in the world. Billions of people, man, you ain't got the same fingerprints as one other person. There's only one of you in the world. There's only one gift of you in the world. What type of gift are you? To be sincere, to be authentic, that helps us be a, a gift worthy of receiving. Another way that we can live this out is living by who God says that we are, right? He said the old life is dead. That new life, it starts right now. So when God sees you, you know who he sees? He sees his son. He sees his daughter. He says, that's my kid right there. That's my child, and I love them. Man, I give them everything. He is proud of you. He sees himself in you. 
And I want you to think that, man, when you are feeling down on yourself, I want you to say, man, Lord, how do you see me? And start to say that to yourself, man, that's how I want to see myself. Because that's who you say I am. That's how you can learn to be a gift worthy of receiving. And then like Paul was ending, right, we're ambassadors. What kind of gift are we being? He's saying, man, to, to be a gift worthy of receiving, we got to share what we have. We ain't got to have everything, but if you were just to share yourself, things that God has gifted you, you're going to bless somebody. That means you ain't got to talk right. You ain't got to have all the talent, all the things. You just being you is a gift, and it's a gift worthy of sharing. Because God says, that's my child, that's my brother, that's my sister, and I got some good and amazing things I want to use them for. And sometimes it's in the least likely of ways. Sometimes you just might be at the grocery store and bump into an old friend you ain't seen for years. But you had changed your life with Jesus and they're in a pit that they're like, man, looking for hope in any way. And you just to be an encouragement to them might be the very thing that they need to set them in a course the same way that you are. You never know how God wants to use you, but he does want to use you, church. Last week, what did we say, man? We believe everybody has worth, everybody has value. You are made for more. Whatever your history says, man, throw that out the window. You're made for more. Whatever your family tree says, man, throw that out the window. You're made for more. Whatever you've told yourself, what other people have said for you, man, throw it out the window. Because the Lord said you're made for more. What kind of gift are you going to be? Right now, I want to invite all the gifts that are getting baptized today up here. Because we want to pray over them, church. Yeah, you can make some noise for them, It's a gift. And I can tell y'all, y'all don't be scared. Come on up here. Come on up here. I would tell you, each one of the stories is, is a story worth being shared. Y'all, y'all scoot up here. Y'all scoot, uh, scoot down, down, scoot down. But this is just the start of the journey. This ain't the end. This ain't the pinnacle. It's just another notch on the belt for the amazing things that God has for each one of them. And I'm excited for them. And so as a church, I just want to ask that you would stretch out your hands as we pray over them. I want to ask y'all to come a little bit closer, come a little bit closer. Yeah, so I can put my hands over y'all. Y'all scoot on in, scoot on in. Father, we just thank you for the gift of life, for who you say you are for who you created us to be, for all the plans and all the wonderful things that you have for us, Lord. Help us not lose sight of who we are in you, but help us grow and learn more and more of who we are. Father, I pray that we are good gifts in this world. We're good gifts to our families, to our friends. We're good gifts to this society, Lord. We're gifts that you look and you say, man, that's good soil right there. I got a lot of good things I'm getting ready to birth from that. So, Father, help us all be that. Be a gift worthy of receiving today. Father, I just pray protection over them, Lord. I know the enemy hates when we're walking with you, when we're growing with you. And he's always shooting some shots at us, Lord. But your word tells us that you have the final say, and at the end of the day, he still loses. It doesn't matter what he comes against, what he tries to do, it isn't going to work. And so where they just have that banner written over them, that the victory is already won and it's yours that we get to walk with you in that victory. So, Father, I know there's this party in heaven going on today because more of your children are home. 
And Father, we just pray that from them, we would see even more come home. That the celebration wouldn't stop, but we would just go from party to party, from glory to glory. So Father, we just thank you for today. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.